0: and welcome to I'm Not Doing This Without Alcohol. My name is Denise Ferguson from Fine Surveyors and today I'm here with Carolina Throssell. Hi Carolina, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good, thank you. You?
0: Mm, I'm amazing. Have you got a drink with you? What are you drinking tonight? I have.
1: I've got pink gin and tonic.
0: Oh, nice. nice I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna have a pink gin tonight but um, apparently my husband has opened up every single bottle of... Um, tonic that we have in the house and let them all go stale or flat or whatever you call it so no gin for me so I'm on the red wine smell back or merlot yeah wasn't someone last week called it um furlough merlot which uh, is probably quite actually, isn't it <laughs> <laughs> well we're all on it now aren't we so carolina what is your business called and what do you do
1: so my business is called i did marketing and i am a freelance pr consultant so i do pr social media copywriting um, and also something new that i've been doing a lot more recently is kind of podcast management ah everybody wants a podcast so <laughs> everyone wants someone
0: else to manage their podcast edit their podcast produce their podcast yes definitely Oh, that's amazing. So what got, I mean, obviously, you I know from just speaking to you just before we came live, that you've got your own podcast, but did you know all about the tech beforehand? Like, you know, tell me the story. Nope,
1: nothing at all. So I, uh, prior to kind of March of this year, I actually was full time uh, as a PR account director for a technology PR agency. And in March of this year, I decided, and this was pre-COVID, I thought I'm actually going to go off my own um, and set up as a, a freelancer. Left the full-time job, left the security, decided to go all alone. Um, COVID hit, but actually it didn't impact me too much. So, yeah, it was all good, all fine. Um, And one of the things that I wanted to do was to promote my business, obviously with it being new, and podcasts are a great way of actually getting your name out there. And I thought, I know, I'll launch a podcast. Never done it before, barely listened to a few of them, and just gave it a go. And, uh, yeah.
0: really? Because I was an avid podcast listener before... I did the podcast and, you know, we had a marketing meeting and um, they said to me, you're going to have to do a podcast because that was, the th- like you said, that was the thing that it's everyone thing. did when they launched their business. <laughs> and I literally just said, I'm not doing that without alcohol. And then that was it. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then you will do it with alcohol and you will interview people. And this is what we will do. So, yeah, I think it's an amazing way to kind of get your name out there. And, and it's fun. I, you know, I really enjoy doing it. Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, I think yeah. with, um, with my podcast, so it's called Kids Review EdTech and again my background is as a technology PR person so one of the things I wanted to do was was not just do a PR podcast I wanted to have something relevant to my area of work which is why I thought I know I'll do an edtech podcast but there's loads of edtech podcasts so what is there out there that's different and I thought actually you don't ever hear from the kids who are actually you know who it's aimed at so I thought let's do a review podcast on tech for kids and I love in- that. I'm
0: definitely <laughs> bringing my for on. Definitely. As soon as I get off of here, I'm just going to say, do you want to go? Do Fuck you know, actually, I'll say to her, do you want to be on the podcast? She'll be like, no. Ugh.
1: I mean, if anyone wants to be on the podcast, because I said at the moment, um, I have two children who are nine and five. They do the bulk of the episodes because trying to find parents and kids to actually review the tech is actually quite challenging. So I'm, I'm always up for more parents, more kids to get involved. So if anyone's interested, by all means, get in touch oh, with me. Oh, 100%.
0: I'm pimping my kids out quite happily. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, my kids are doing it. That sounds amazing. (laughs) So, tell me more about the business side of things. So, you say that you're into PR and everything like that. I vaguely understand what that means, but it sounds like it is one of those specialities that I simplify in my brain too much. Like. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I get you into newspapers or I get you into magazines, or but there's I mean, a lot more behind it, isn't it? So tell me more. Yeah,
1: I mean, it is kind of that, and there is a bit more to it. But it's one of those things that people don't really understand what PR is, and even my own family don't understand. So if I will say, try explaining um, to
0: them what a severe yeah. is, they're like, "Oh, you can <laughs> you can come round my house and see if a wall's going to fall down." I'm like, "No."
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I get normally is, and again, because I used to work um, as a journalist. So they were used to having my name in print for things. They kind of got that concept. Whereas with PR, you're actually trying to pitch to a journalist for them to do the story. So if I said to someone, oh, it's amazing. My client's in the FT. Oh, did you write it? It's your name there? No, <laughs> my name is not in the FT. My I got my client in there through a journalist. Um, it, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, oh my God, that's so awful. Cause it literally sounds like you did none of the hard work except you did all
1: of the hard work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's tricky to explain but I mean ultimately in a nutshell I make businesses people more well famous is probably the wrong word but yeah just increase awareness of businesses and what they do in publications or broadcast essentially
0: no I love that that's great um skill that's needed and it is so much harder to kind of get into those publications these days because there's so so much social media Mm. so how have you found I mean you're young so you've it, it probably has always been in your life but how have you found PR's changed throughout the kind of internet social media
1: I mean I think you can you can pitch more with social media but there are kind of boundaries and also a lot of the time it's about learning what journalists prefer so some journalists are happy for you to pitch them on Instagram, for example, um, or on Twitter, and others aren't. So, um, the FT thing I mentioned before, I had a client who I actually managed to get on the front page of the FT. Wow. And really great story. I was so, so happy about it. And that actually came off the back of me tweeting the journalist initially. That's where it started. It was a tweet. He had tweeted about my client's name, that he used their product, thought it was great. I saw it, tweaked him back, and said, you know, the guys are in London do you want to meet them and it all stemmed from there and we got this story on the front page I remember getting the magazine thinking oh it's going to be in inside the paper flicking through and then being like no oh my god it's on the front page
0: (laughs) oh wow
1: so you didn't
0: even know it was going to be front page
1: no you never do which is again is the the thrill of it but also that's equally sometimes the downside and that's something I have to explain to clients is um, just because a journalist said they're going to use something it doesn't guarantee and it's not guaranteed until it's in print because you know things can happen it's news things change so well yeah Boris
0: could know, chuck us back into another lockdown and then yes. you're
1: definitely not on the front page <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know things happen and the news agenda has to reflect that so again you might have something um that the journalist is going to print and then i don't know there's a bomb scare there's a terrorist attack something happens which will mean that story gets spiked through no fault of your own um, but it happens unfortunately and that's almost the fun as well of PR is that you don't always know what's going to happen
0: yeah completely so what do you do if you've got a really boring client though That you know <laughs> or a really a really horrible client I mean that must happen too where people just don't want to speak to them or the pitch that you've given is completely skewed by the conversation that happens at the time
1: um, I mean difficult clients is something I have had definitely in the past and that's usually more in terms of if they don't always get how it works. Um, I'm lucky now that again with me being freelance I can pick and choose who I want to work with. Oh isn't it amazing. So good because it means I can see if you always get those warning signs I think of a client who might be difficult or a bit tricky yeah. and half of the time getting someone to I mean it's like anything If you have a client that you think is going to work with you and they're actually invested in that relationship, they're not trying to catch you out, they're actually committed to to giving you what you need, they're the ones that get the best PR. The ones that are trying to almost catch you out or um, don't really understand the process, they're not very helpful, they're the ones that don't tend to get the best results because it's hard to work with them. So if you have a client who is really open and honest and and kind of forthcoming and, and just has that kind of brainstorm with you, that's where you get the best results yeah
0: I couldn't agree more I have a very firm no asshole rule and I just refuse to budge on that even an inch if I am very so this this is something that I've that's very much in the forefront of business these days and I love it because I am a very honest person but um, it seems to have been a wave over the past maybe three years that, that um, in business, it's you have to be 100% yourself. You have to be 100% yourself. So for me, the fact that you can, you know, you don't have to pretend you're anyone, like you used to have to be in the corporate world and everything, and you just flat out say, this is who I am. And if you work with me, this is what exactly what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. It means that I instantly repel anyone who has that the tendency to be that type of person. And I, if ever I get a kind of diva moment or anything, I very much put it down to a moment. Someone's had a bad day. Someone's had a bad week. Whatever. There's, there's something going on. And I can have those conversations with people to say, whoa, what's going on here? Whereas when I was in the corporate world or, or maybe years ago in business, because I've been doing this for like 10 years now, you, you, it was expected that you dealt with any manner of shit. And it just isn't expected anymore. Or maybe it's just because I've been doing it for a long time now. But is that how you find it as well? Is it a change mm. in atmosphere or do you think that you're just, that's just who you are as a businesswoman?
1: I think that's just who, who I am. I mean, I'm, it's something my bosses have always sort of said to me when I've worked with bosses in the past is that I'm not a, a touchy feely person. I kind of say it how it is. So, which means I can be very direct sometimes. So maybe that's the, the journalist in me when I started off in journalism. I like to get to the point so if a client comes to me with something and I think it's not a story, I think there's no, no, you know, nothing there. I will say to them, I'm sorry, this just isn't going to work. It's not a story. Boring. Yeah, exactly. Rather than trying to make it work or be a yes man, I'm not a yes man. That's not why people hire me because they want my direct approach. They want me to tell it like it is. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's probably something I can also be a bit of a negative in that. I'm a bit too direct sometimes, but you know, that's how I like to approach
0: things (laughs) so it's funny you said that because I'm really direct as well but I am a really touchy-feely person so I think I I can switch between those two seamlessly and I don't think that's weird although I have subsequently found that people associate that with being a complete psychopath because I just (laughs) I you know I, I I think that I can say to someone You know, that's a really shitty thing to do. Do to fancy going for a drink? Because one's business and one's pleasure and I can switch Mm -hmm. seamlessly. But whereas a lot of other people don't seem to be able to do that, they take things personally, which I just don't take things personally. Mm. Do you think that, that, you know, it's because you also don't take business personally that that other people might find that harsher side of you? Maybe. I mean, I
1: think um, you have to be, I think you have to have a kind of a a hard shell if you are a PR person, because you are dealing with rejection on a fairly frequent basis because a client might be pushing for a particular story or an angle and and even as much as you could say to them, this isn't going to work. If they have to get it out there because they have stakeholders or investors, sometimes you have to do it just for that basis. Um, and I think I just have that kind of hard shell of, it doesn't matter, this is just work, it's just business, it's not gonna impact me. Now, I'm not saying if I was asked to represent somebody that I didn't believe in, that I would just do it because it's business because you know I have some morals there are things that I wouldn't kind of do um, and equally there are things that I would take on there was um, there's a charity that's um, called Remember My Baby and they actually specialize in remembrance photography and I came across oh, wow. them it's such a great charity and I thought what a great idea they basically get um, photographers to volunteer their time um, for people who've lost babies um, stillborns oh, and they give them a photo, completely free. They get a professional photographer in to take those pictures. They've got a moment to remember for the rest of their lives. It's a sad moment, but it's something tangible for them, which yeah. can help with their grief. And I got in touch with the charity to actually help them for free um, with a bit of PR. And we got into the Daily Mail for it. Now, again, it's I don't usually do free things. It's not you know I'm here to work, make money. I'm here to is a business. But it was a charity. We're that- our
0: kids. Yeah, that's but why i repeat people endlessly yeah, exactly i'm but really it's a charity sorry i believed in yeah yeah
1: so they it. haven't got a huge budget know, they're not an oxfam they're not a, a cancer research they haven't got loads of money and i thought actually i can do something to help them it's a great bit of coverage it's helping them and again if there are any photographers they need more photographers to help them out so it's a really good charity that i would recommend Oh, i've got loads
0: of photography mates i'm not I'm not you know I'm not sure if they could cope with that it's a sensitive subject yeah definitely um, I mean even just reading the stories
1: yeah I I think that's one thing I would say is that pre-becoming a mum um I was probably a bit more hard-nosed about those sort of things whereas now I think knowing you know I have two kids it's quite that sort of thing touches you more I think so reading the stories of of the and everything else it's hard not to get emotionally involved with that so I, I don't know how they do it from a photography perspective I really don't but fair play to them it's such do you a think
0: you would have done, thing do you think you would have done that free of charge before you had kids
1: um I don't know I mean it's it's hard to say but I think there's always been a part of me that wanted to do if I can help I will and I know at the start of um of lockdown initially there were so many people offering things for free trying to help out and yeah yeah you know, I was thinking, what can I do? I can't, you know, I'm not a chef. I can't go and cook a meal for NHS workers. What can I do with my skill set? And that's kind of where it led me thinking, well, maybe I can do some PR for some charities. And it's actually something I want to keep doing um, every now and then. I'm just going to support a charity for a small period of time as as part of my kind of CSR. But it's not a policy. It's more just I want to do that. Yeah, I think you
0: need to do I, yeah, I think as a as a business person, you need to do all the things that fulfil you as a as a person. Because running your own business, and I say this a lot on a lot of the podcasts, is running your own business is amazing. But it's having the choice of which sixteen hours a day you work. Yeah, it's a long slog. It's hard work, but you do it because you love it. If you don't do those other feel good things, it's hard to it's hard to continue the momentum mm. of running your own business.
1: I mean, it's also, I think, just, um, I mean, for me, as well as the charity itself, it's an opportunity to get into other media titles. So, the kind of work clients that I work with, it's technology firms, it's um, B2B, other than I have a a travel brand I also do some work for. They're not the kind of client that are going to get into a Daily Mail. So, again, from a a personal perspective, in terms of me wanting to achieve different publications that I've had coverage in, um, the remember my baby kind of case study that I helped put together it went into the daily Mail, into female so for me it's also kind of a coup for me to be able to say look I've, I've got that coverage for them because I wouldn't get that coverage with another client it's not the right story yeah so it's, it's,
0: there's kind no, of amazing things. amazing you should be very proud of yourself I love I love stories like that so tell me more about your business what's the plan where do you see yourself going what's the not end goal, because there never really is one in the business. But where do you see yourself in the next few years?
1: It's hard to say. I mean, that that point of um I'm getting busy. I mean, at the moment, I'm at capacity. So it's deciding, do I bring on extra support to grow my business? Um, or do I want to keep it as just myself? I don't want to kind of create an agency. Um, and I'm not really sure if I want to create an agency. I don't know if that's really something I want to do. I quite like the idea of it being kind of smaller and more boutique yeah but I mean I've been doing it since March so it's less than a year so yeah it's it's amazing how has it been (laughs) yeah
0: how has it been growing a business throughout lockdown I mean that's incredible
1: I think I've been really lucky I mean I've got um, said to be really busy at the moment with work I'm at capacity I couldn't have asked for anything better because again when I left my full-time job it's that job security of thinking, you know, can I do this? Can I go out on my own, start my own business? Um, am I going to find that I'm worse off? And I've had the opposite. And I think a lot of that has been to do with my own personal network. So the first thing I did when I went freelance was actually really publicly announced it on LinkedIn. And just as you know just my old contacts got in touch with me and said oh you know great we needed somebody to do some copywriting or um we're looking for some extra PR support and I found a lot of things that just sort of fell into my lap that way um but actually the the podcast as well is I've had so many inquiries um off the back of the podcast which has helped as well get business sort of my way so it's funny where these things come from because I'm not I'm not the best networker that's something I'm I don't think I'm that good at I kind of fake networking <laughs> if I'm honest tell me how do you fake networking so I can start <laughs> well doing I mean that? as in it's it's funny because all my old bosses always said oh you're such a good networker you always go to these events and you talk to everybody and you know what you're doing and I'm like I, I don't feel comfortable doing it it's something I've had to really push myself to do so I mean it from it's. I don't think networking comes naturally to me but for some mm. reason everyone else around me thinks it does so I've obviously managed to fake it somehow <laughs>
0: No everyone thinks that I'm a really really confident person and I am in a certain way and I think it's the kind of introvert extrovert conversation whereas I'm an introvert extrovert Mm. I can do all of those things but then I have to retreat and be on my own so if I if I'm not feeling really kind of extrovert going into those situations is horrific and usually going into those situations for me is absolutely horrific and everyone says oh don't go to network meetings I mean you can't go to any now at the minute anyway but don't go to network meetings with people you know but if I didn't have somebody that kind of was my safe space I'm 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 in an utter panic and that's not how people see me as a person but I'm just I can speak naturally to people that I know are nice but I just have a, a absolute allergy to dickheads and I hate not knowing that what i'm gonna get into Mm. because if my face doesn't tell you i think you're an ass my mouth will so if i go into (laughs) a situation where someone's just horrible i'm like oh god so that sort of position positioning myself on in a networking meeting fills me with absolute dread Mm. i kind of like the whole online networking because as soon as somebody's like that i'm like okay goodbye
1: yeah I think no uh, online networking, the one thing I would say that it's, it's made it more accessible um, because even before um, kind of COVID, obviously, I was still working full time, but I used to go to networking events. And it's that thing if they're always in London and I'm, I live in Kent, so I'm not in London. So it takes me about oh, an hour yeah, to get hard. into London. So you're kind of obviously in London till late. Everyone's there drinking till kind of eight. And you're thinking, well, I need to get my train home. I need to kind of do this, that, like, the other. And it just it's a very long day whereas at least with the online networking you can kind of just you know do it then get back to dinner with the kids or put them to bed and it's a bit more kind of flexible and a bit more um kind of available if that makes sense
0: yeah completely I yeah I um I mean especially during lockdown times but and I think I, I wonder how long it will take me to get back into the the the, the swing of it but It takes a lot for me to want to not be in my pyjamas by eight, eight, nine (laughs) o'clock at night. (laughs) I've got two kids and yeah, they're teenagers now, but they go to bed, you know, after me now. And it's just Mm. like, I just, I want to, I want to go to bed. Well, you want your kind
1: of your, your evening time and yeah.
0: you're, I mean your yeah, eldest is
1: mine yeah mine are still quite young so they're usually in bed by I mean eight at the latest absolutely latest you've,
0: you've yeah but you've not got long you, I'm telling you now you have not got long until it just goes and you and your, your husband are sitting there looking at them going go to bed I do that already yeah true it's <laughs> not bedtime Completely. yet yeah. well I love yeah them really. a, I love them really <laughs> we have to caveat everything we say but I love them really but god oh, I know so nice um so, so tell me more about you as a as a as a mom as a as a person what do you like doing when you're not a businesswoman
1: uh well i mean at the moment i spend the bulk of my time when i'm not working where that doesn't seem to be that much these days is no. renovating and um, we bought too. yeah we bought a property about oh, it was two years ago now our last house we renovated this house is a major renovation project so any time that's spare, we are sanding painting stripping digging and all sorts and yep it's a bit of a mess yeah (laughs) which doesn't help the zoom calls because I have the one wall that's sort of
0: done (laughs) um yeah I've I've now got lovely curtains which is why I've taken my background off because it's the first time I've had lovely curtains in two and a half years so (laughs) that's why I took my fake background off so I people could appreciate that I no longer live in what I affectionately have called for two years the squat
1: I mean, I'm there at the moment in terms of there are certain walls where you've still got kind of sockets that are kind of hanging off or paintwork that's chipped and it, it's kind of, it will get there, but we're not there yet. So no. it will look lovely when it's finished, but we, we're about another good two years away from doing that, I think.
0: Wow. No, we're. I was about to say we're nearly finished, but we are not nearly finished this. We, so we were supposed to start the renovations on April the 7th and obviously we went into lockdown so we had to cancel everything and then we thought oh well we'll just leave it until next year and then the kids seemed to kind of age about seven years in lockdown and it just was really apparent that no matter what happened to this house it was never going to be big enough so then we decided okay well what we'll do is we'll you know just do it all up and then we'll sell it and then it looks everywhere and just couldn't find anything I liked so now we have decorated everywhere and now we're going to do all of the extensions and then we're going to sell it and do it all over again so you kind of understand my pain you've done it
1: yeah well, do what it we did our, I mean this is what is kind of a running joke in um in my family is that our last house did I think we were there for just over four years we did it all up and then I think probably two months before we'd finished doing everything up we were on the market to sell because it was always the plan to sell so did it all up didn't get to enjoy much of it then sold yeah. now moved into this place and my mum is actually joking with me keeps saying to me well the trouble is you'll do it all up and then you'll decide to sell yeah and I was like well we're not sure yet we'll see
0: that's what we said about this one we were like no absolutely not this is our last one like 100% absolutely our last one it's not our last one it's <laughs> definitely not our last one so so pathetic but yeah my poor children have just lived in hovels their whole life but screw it we'll have a nice house at the end of it probably when they've moved out
1: <laughs> yeah probably I mean I'm hoping we we don't take that long but <laughs> touch with.
0: so if anyone needs PR help where can they find you
1: uh, so my website is probably the best place to go to which is just um iden.global so ide global. I was gonna say
0: spell that one i-d-e-n yeah
1: mm-hmm. iden.global nice awesome simple. obviously you've got to put the the w's in front of it but
0: yeah all the w's all the blues cool so where do you you've already said like you're not quite sure where you're gonna go and whether or not you're gonna but but have you considered maybe going the kind of semi-growth thing where you maybe do like a VA to take all of the faff away and you do the more meaty stuff is a step between the decision of whether or not you do agency
1: possibly I think that's definitely my my next step is I think looking at maybe a, a VA um because there are there is a lot of admin heavy things that are actually really dull and boring and if I could free myself up to get that off my plate then I could probably take on some more work which is more fun yeah yeah
0: I, I'm definitely I've got to the stage in my business where I try to outsource as many things as I possibly can so that you can continue to do the, the part of it that you love because with if not it, like I said before it becomes a drudgery that you just, you know, you can't sustain for any length of time. So what made you stop working full time and go into starting your own business? Has it been a lifelong plan or, you know, where did that come from?
1: It's kind of a couple of things. So when um, I had my, my first child, I was at another agency um, and after maternity leave, I was at the point of thinking, do I go freelance or do I go back into full time work? And I had an offer from another agency, which meant that I just went back into agency life again, but with a different agency. Um, I was with them for about seven years. And at that time, my youngest started school last year. Um, he was actually identified with having SEN issues, which is special educational needs. Um, and they sort of also thought he might have slight autism or slight ADHD. Um, he was just causing a lot of issues at school. and. I was frequently getting calls um while I was at work can you pick them up we've had an incident and it was just very stressful so doing that plus having a, a full-time kind of job in a PR agency and um, I quite frequently would, would be on trips I'd be in London or I'd go abroad and it was just really chaotic and hectic and I and just stressful thought, and oh super super stressful um especially because I was thinking oh dreading if I get a call from school what's happened now and, and what's going to happen and is there an issue? And I think actually kind of looking back at it now, because when I left in March, I thought, okay, I need to be, I can't cope with this anymore. I need to just freelance, switch my hours around. Um, He's been loads better. And I can't help but thinking, yeah, I can't help but thinking that part of it might have been my really, really full on busy job, might've actually even caused the fact that he was actually kind of acting up because he needed more attention. He's a very bright boy. I think he kind of, you know, he clocked, oh, this is how to get attention. And that's what he was doing. Whereas now I'm at home. I do, I do work still quite long sometimes, but I can still be around. So I'm in the house and obviously, you know, come March lockdown, everyone was homeschooling anyway. So if I had been at the full-time job, I would have still been at home with him. But
0: <laughs> I think it's harder though. I, I definitely am grateful. I mean, I've struggled, but I'm grateful during lockdown that I work for myself because mm-hmm. I could dip in and out of the homeschooling and the working and stuff like that. I'm not saying I enjoyed it. I really didn't. It (laughs) it was way too much pressure for me, but if I'd have had to set and sit down and do kind of nine to five, Mm. I think I would have been, you know, sectioned.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, just having that freedom of knowing that I make my own time, but I think it's also that that guilt factor as well of if you're working for another company you don't want other people thinking that you're you're slacking. Whereas at least if you're doing it for yourself, you're your own boss. So if you're slacking, you know, you're slacking. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. you, you're, you know, work, <laughs> your you will work. Your boss tells to. you off, you. <laughs> yeah, so, but you don't have that kind of fear of someone is, isn't seeing the work I'm doing because you know how hard you're working. So there's yeah. no one to kind of prove it to. So if I sort of thought I need to take some time out to do something, I mean, there was one day, I think, um, at the height of lockdown, I thought, you know what, I need some fresh air. It's a nice day. Let's just go for a walk, get some fresh air, go for a walk. I could do that. I didn't have to ask permission of anybody. I could just go and go and do it.
0: God, oh, I don't think I could be, I don't think I could do that. I mean, I've worked for myself for 10 years or well, more than that. Yeah. More than 10 years. And the thought, even like you saying that, asking permission to go and do something just like, it just seems alien to me. Anyone who kind of works with me, the, it's results driven it's not time or anything like that mm. if something happens to take you 20 hours to do that would have taken someone else five hours to do I'm just going to presume that you did it better than the person who did it for five hours because it got done and I'm just happy I didn't have to do it I couldn't I could not live that kind of life ever no. again it doesn't I
1: happen to me a, no I mean I think also just in terms of the type of work you do as well I mean my as I say, the last agency I worked for a lot of our clients were U.S. So it wasn't uncommon for me to be working, um, doing you know full day, getting to the office for eight o'clock in the morning, working until five o'clock, pick the kids up, get home, and then I'd have a call at 6.30 or seven o'clock with a US client. Yeah. So you'd rush home, pick them up from nursery, from school, aftercare, get dinner in them, try and sort them out, then be like, right, keep quiet because I've got to go to school. <laughs> now. And- Don't say a word. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun right. for them. It's not fun for you. It's stressful. And as much as... Your boss might sort of say, oh, we're only expecting you to do so much. And um, that's not expected. I can't then let my team down by saying, well, I've got kids. I'm not going on this call. You handle it because that's yeah. not fair. So, okay. again, it's there's so many different things that come into play with that sort of a, a job and role.
0: I and think we sure love what you do as yeah. well. You can't not be the best at it all the time. Yeah.
1: And I think that's the other factor as well with the the issues I was having with my my child at school when that was all kind of kicking off I wasn't being 100% at what my job because back of my mind I was stressing about is school going to call me have I got to pick him up or is something happened today or is it going to be a good day today so my mind wasn't 100% focused on work because you couldn't be and um, that again for me is my kind of career is part of who I am in terms of my, yeah. what I do is tied into do you me. feel
0: any guilt about that because I I say that as well and I feel no
1: guilt about it in terms of what the, my work is, kind of who it's I am. Is part of you? Not really. Um, and I think maybe that's the other thing I find sometimes is that when you are a mum, I think a lot of people define you as a, a mum. And I've always in my head been, I'm a businesswoman first, mum second. Like I don't, there's not, it's not anything to take away from the fact I've got kids and I love them, but it's my career is is me. And that's also an important part of who I am.
0: I think I, I don't even think for first and second for me for, in order for me to be a whole person there has to be my kids and my business and my family and you know um, my exercise my friends you know all of those things make me into who I am with and without one of them that becomes a very kind of miserable person so that you know mm. whenever one drops off they have to come back together because if not I'm just not the person that I need to be in order to be able to do all of those other things I'm not very good at my business if I don't exercise a lot I'm not very good at my at being a parent if I don't see my family I'm not very good at being a wife if I don't you know sleep well you know like all of those mm. things are just actually so maybe that's um,
1: more more correct in terms of the order it's just like you said it's yeah all altogether. of it, identity it's not I, I think that's just the thing that it kind of bugs me sometimes when people talk about kind of mumpreneurs or mums in business no. and for me the two aren't necessarily the same you know I, I'm not even
0: I'm, I'm and becoming less comfortable I'm becoming less comfortable with business women as well even mm. though I am I am going to launch something that's that's female focused and actually I do um, make, um I, I do um work with predominantly salon owners and predominantly they are women but not all of them but I do work with salon owners, so largely I'm seen as somebody who just works with women. But I, but I don't. I do have a lot of um, male clients too. But I am about to launch something, or will you know? It's it's in the pipeline. Launch something that's very female focused, which does go against how I feel as a person because I don't feel comfortable with that whole. I'm a business woman. No, no. I'm, I run a business, and mm-hmm. I don't need that kind of label. Yeah, I've never in my life felt. Um, superior or inferior to any other person who runs a business, I think we're all magnificent, and I also think people who work for other people are magnificent because I can't do that and you can do this, and that's why we're on a level playing field because this you they have a skill that I don't possess and I have a skill that they don't possess. Equally with with you know men who run businesses and women who run businesses, we're both running a business, and you might be good at something and I might be great at something else and it has nothing to do with my genitals. And I really struggle with that whole having to label ourselves as, Mm -hmm. you know, something that we're that it's not necessary. But
1: yeah, I mean I don't I wouldn't sort of um, say I don't necessarily label as well myself as like a feminist or anything like that. But it's just the it's one of those things that you kind of get it's always that kind of a seat at the table thing. And I'd rather people earn the seat at the table. That's always been my my philosophy. But then equally, if I see a magazine article talking about some celebrity, there was something the other week, actually, I can't believe it was now, some celebrity was pregnant and the whole piece, the headline was something like um, so-and-so showcases her bump. She was just in a maternity outfit on her way out to work somewhere. She wasn't showcasing it. She wasn't bearing any flesh. It's it's not showcasing. Even if she
0: was, (laughs) top to toe with a fucking arrow pointing at the bump. No, no. (laughs) she's just living with a human inside her enough yeah. already
1: i mean that that sort of thing annoys me that the language yeah. and the labeling of things because it's just oh no.
0: that's a but that's horrific and and I, I do label myself as a feminist because i i don't believe that that's equality that isn't equality there's you don't you don't go around looking at you know all the newspapers or any you know press and see That men are, um, you know, they're just when we're discussing their business, we say the attractive man who runs a business, you know. Yeah. But you, but if it's a woman, you're like, Mm. um, you know, the sexy woman running the lingerie company, and you're like, what the fuck's it got to do with the fact that she's sexy? I mean, god damn, she's sexy, good girl, but no, like it it doesn't impact on the business. Exactly, you're diminishing her intellect, her her prowess, her business acumen you know it's just unnecessary to bring her looks and stuff into it I mean I get I I mean I get horrific locally recently really awful messages which is really good fun um but I get like dick pics sent to me every week I get people saying hey pretty you know um how you doing babe you know and I just reply saying
1: when was the last time you sent that to
0: a man like Mm. seriously you will never be a client of mine if you speak like that. You will never come no. anywhere near me if you speak like that. Although the guy who offered me to to be my sugar daddy, exactly how much were you offering? <laughs> which is exactly what my husband said as well, which was hilarious. But I mean, it just you know the I don't believe that men get that in business no. I don't which makes me instantly think why should we as women
1: get this in business well there's quite a there's a funny kind of um strand actually where you've got I think it's Scarlett Johansson and a few others where they're basically kind mm-hmm. of calling it out I love that it's just just the the look on her face of she gets asked in a really inane question it was, was about like,
0: what diet she did for the movie. yeah so like,
1: everyone did, was did else, you did, everyone, did you ask them
0: <laughs> everyone else was asked about
1: Get into um, character, you know, what, and, yeah, yeah how
0: they got into character <laughs> would they were they you know living and breathing the role and everything and they went straight to her and they said and uh, what diet did you do for the role like, really <laughs> really
1: I mean she's I mean, yeah. kind of one of those people that I think if I was ever a, a celebrity like publicist I'd love to have her as a client it would be dangerous but hilarious at the same time
0: <laughs> but that's why I'd want it I wouldn't want mm. the kind of I say the right thing because that's what I'm done and you take my yeah. batteries out at the end of the day I want the kind of people that are real and authentic well yeah having personality Ooh. but having their own personality not somebody who you know lights up for the camera but yeah. I mean actually
1: grip. that does feed in as I say in terms of um, PR as well because again one of the things you do in PR is you're you're doing kind of thought leadership for the clients you represent Um, And one of those things that you need to kind of bring to life is their personality. And also, what are their kind of thoughts on the trends or the topics or or what is happening kind of in their sector of expertise? And it's really interesting where you have some clients who are so, so vocal and they give you just so much good stuff and good content to work with. And then you have other people who just don't give you anything. And it's just that's where you have to really work really hard to get something out of them.
0: I've got a podcast where I interview people. I'm very aware of that. (laughs) Anyway, we're coming to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much, um, Carolina. And we end all of the podcast with the eight mile moment. So I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. I love Eminem and I love the movie, The Eight Mile. And he does all of his rap battles by saying the worst things about him. He's skinny, as white, his mum lives in a trailer. So that his opponent can't say any bad things back to him. So Carolina, what are the worst things about you?
1: Ooh. Um probably that I'm too blunt. I think i said that already though. <laughs> too blunt, too honest sometimes. Uh yeah. I don't know if I'd go further than that. No. Care I don't too think much.
0: Wrong with either either of them. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: you care too much well I think I care too much um about kind of what I do. Maybe sometimes I need to just take a step back and uh, say no every now and then, I think to workload and things like that. if I'm getting better at, at saying no. I think that's the other thing with being a freelancer. You initially start off thinking I need to take everything in because I don't know whether the work's going to keep going. And now I'm at that stage feeling comfortable thinking, actually, I'm comfortable. I've got less work. I can say no now.
0: Well done for getting there in eight months. I think that took me eight years to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And as always, if you want to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor podcast, you can contact us at info at find-surveyors.co.uk. Thank you, Carolina, for being on. Say goodbye to everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.